Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want extra episodes every month? Do you want ad-free versions of the show? Then you should sign up over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, and you'll get your very own RSS feed to put into whatever your podcatcher of choice is, and you'll be first in line for all extra content. So head on over and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. Another episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so how, <laughs> yeah, so, something like that. How's your holidays been so far? It's it's the Christmas season, but I'll be honest, it doesn't really feel like Christmas this year. I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been okay. I mean, I hopefully have all my Christmas shopping wrapped up this week i haven't done a ton of (laughs) i I haven't done a lot of you know like in-person shopping as far as actually buying stuff most of the big stuff i bought has been online just because it's been it's been a lot easier and you know i've been home a lot more you know working from home and everything so it just makes it easier to just you know go online whether it's amazon wherever the case may be and just get stuff there and have it delivered to your doorstep yeah, I actually haven't even started, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm starting to panic. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what to get anybody this year. No, I, I, I go through that struggle every year. It's like I, I, I try and be, you know, more. As I've gotten older, I've tried to get more thoughtful gifts in the sense where it's like I might make something for someone or have like an artist do some type of like a painting or do some type of cool you know, photograph or something like that. Whereas more sentimental and thoughtful gifts is just buying something for the sake of buying something. Yeah. I wish I had time to do that. I would just paint people stuff, but I don't have time. I, and I don't have the ability. So we're in kind of this <laughs> kind of the same predicament, but uh, yeah, any, other than that, I was going to say, you played anything interesting this week. Um, I've been playing a lot of the game that I'll be actually reviewing tonight, uh, Jack and Daxter for the PlayStation two. I, I mentioned it either last week or the week before that I got the, a bundle on the PlayStation store. You get all four Jack and Daxter games for 20 bucks. Nice. And, and I've, I've spent a lot of time playing through the original and I, I beat it when I played it years ago when it first came out, but this is the first time I've played it in close to 20 years. Wow. So I've, I've had, I've had a lot of fun uh, going back and playing it. And that's really been about it. You know, I've been um, doing some freelance projects as well. That's kind of taken up some more of my time and, you know, getting stuff ready for the new show launch and everything. So yeah, it's, been, it's been, it, yeah, it's been, I've got four interviews in the can already and i've got uh two that i'm doing tomorrow and then one next week wow. so <laughs> I, I should be i should be set for a bit that's so. awesome yeah no it, it's been uh it's been a busy week or so but it, it's been the the good kind of busy what about you um i don't know why but i started playing spider-man again on the ps4 and that's just a good game great game i mean uh, great game not much else to say about it. It's just a great game. I just went back in and started playing it again for no reason. Just felt like it. Did you ever play the Spider-Man game for the PlayStation 2 that was released in conjunction with the original movie? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. I've been getting a craving to go back and play that game. And I, I don't think... know if it's because the new movie is coming out, but I I've been thinking about should. that game quite a bit. I remember playing that game and liking it a lot. Wasn't that was the one that had the Bruce Campbell did the the tutorial, right? Yep. Yeah, I think you should definitely go back and and revisit that one. Yeah, I think I might. And you know, I, I've been going back and I watched the the Sam Raimi trilogy uh, last week. Had they kept that series going. 
I would have loved if Bruce Campbell turned out to be that universe's Mysterio. Yeah, no, that's what everybody was kind of expecting him to be if it would have kept going. It would have made sense. But they set that up, and they also set up the lizard because, you know, Kurt Connors was in Spider-Man yep. 2 and 3, but they just never, it never materialized. Yeah, so. could have, would have, should have. Yeah. Oh, I started watching Arcane on Netflix. Have you watched that yet? I haven't, but I've heard great things it's about it. So good. Like I, I didn't give a, a, a crap. I don't give a crap about League of Legends. Like, there's nothing about that game that makes me want to play it. Plus, I've just heard too many awful things about the player base and stuff like that. But I've heard, I heard good things about Arcane, so I, I fired up the first episode, got through with that one, watched the second episode, and I watched the third episode. I, I got like two episodes left. And I gotta say, dude, that game, that the game, that show is excellent. Like I said, I've heard nothing but good things about it on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Rotten Tomatoes. I think the audience scores at like a ninety-six, which is insane. I know it's so good, and it actually makes me interested in. um, They are making uh, who is it? Riot Games that makes them. uh, Is it Riot Games? I can't remember. Who does League of Legends? Well, they're making an uh, MMO uh, called Arcane, which I think is set in that universe. I'm there. I'm okay. I'm definitely going to play that when it comes out. Yeah, for sure. That is a I, I world did... I want to explore. Yeah, I need to watch that very soon because, you know, I, I, it's one of those things that I've heard so much good about it that I'm curious as to whether or not it lives up to the hype. And that curiosity alone is what's going to get me to watch it. Yeah. I did start watching. Have you watched only murders in the building? No, I haven't heard good things though. I've only watched the first episode, but I really liked it. And I, I really enjoyed both uh, Steve Martin and Martin short. And they've been in a lot of great things. Well, it's already you know, been greenlit for a second season. So I know if it's yep. already been greenlit, then the first season has got to be good. So, and surprisingly, Selena Gomez is really good in that show That's too. What I've heard. <laughs> so I, I, I recommend that. No, it's 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 one of those things because I'm I'm writing a murder mystery whodunit script. Mm-hmm. So I've been watching you know movies like Knives Out, uh, watched The Maltese Falcon mm-hmm. the other night too. So I've been doing a lot of research on that type of storytelling. That's cool. So yeah, something a little different. So we've both got homework this week. I'll I'll finish up Arcane and start watching Only Murders in the Building. And uh, you definitely need to watch Arcane. Anybody out there that's a video game fan, like, like, just that style of animation is gorgeous. Like, I want a whole Star Wars series in that style of animation. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, it's so good. Like, it's almost like painted. Like, it's so gorgeous. That's what's the gr- a great thing about the advancement in animation technology, because I still love the old hand-drawn animation, because that's what I grew up with. But animation, like you mentioned with Arcane, yeah. that wouldn't have been possible mm-hmm. you know, years ago. But now that it is, like that style is just so... It draws you in. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But uh, definitely go check it out out there if you haven't uh, seen it yet. It's on Netflix called Arcane. Just go check out the first episode. The first episode doesn't grab grab you. It's not going to because it's pretty much that throughout. So it starts off with a bang. So if you're not caught by the first episode, then you don't have to go any further. But I guarantee you, it'll it'll grab you. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll check it out this weekend. But uh, you ready to move into the news this evening? We got some good stuff to talk about. Yes, sir. Come on. Come on. <laughs> there we go. Stupid soundboard. <laughs> uh, this is from, oh, and of course, all the uh, our stories tonight were submitted to us by you, the listeners. To, uh, a couple of tonight's stories were submitted by Armez Jackson, one of our patrons. And if you have a story you'd like us to cover, Send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. Tonight's first story comes from nintendoenthusiast.com. Paper Mario joins Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pack 
next week. Nintendo has announced that Paper Mario from Nintendo 64 is joining Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pack next week. It is a famous first entry into its franchise, an RPG developed by Intelligent Systems that uses a paper art aesthetic to tell an epic story. Uh, it is the second role-playing game to star Mario, uh, following Super Mario RPG from Squaresoft on the Super Nintendo in 1995. Um, so what do you think about uh, Does this make you any more curious to get the Nintendo expansion pack or no? No. And not that's not a knock on Paper Mario because I like that game a lot. Yeah, uh, it, and its its sequel for the GameCube is just as good, if not better. You know that that paper style I had never really seen before when it comes to to graphics for a video game, and it also came along. You know, for the U.S., this was at the tail end of the N sixty four lifespan. Like this and Conker's Bad Fur Day were really the the swan song. Yeah. For the N64. If I already had the expansion pack, then I would be ecstatic, but it's not going to persuade me to get it because I have a copy for my N64. So if yeah. I want to play it, I can just play it on that. And I definitely don't think Nintendo's going to be in any hurry to, uh, to make this online expansion pack any better. I mean, they've already pretty much all but abandoned Nintendo and Super Nintendo online so what makes me think they'll be any better with the n64 library yeah it says here this marks the first time that an update to nintendo switch online consists of a single game that really doesn't bode well for the future of updates to the service especially as updates to nso have been sparse affairs in the first place yeah which um there are more games coming which include majora's mask Mario Golf, Pokemon Snap, uh, F-Zero X, Kirby 64, and Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, again, you know, several of those games I like, but I have them for other systems yeah. Nintendo that I can still seriously, play. So. Seriously need somebody in that organization that understands the online community and knows what is possible as far as an online presence because... I'm sorry, Nintendo, but your online presence is laughable at this point. And the thing is, you look at the way they handled the virtual console on the Wii. I know. It was it was great, but they went away from that format, and I don't know why. Even their store, the online store, the, the, st the Switch store. The eShop. The eShop is yeah. a horrible, janky mess, and I don't know yeah. who designed it, but they need to be fired and replaced immediately. And maybe flogged. Yeah, flogged in the street. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we can... With Nintendo, it's, you can only hope for the best when it comes to their online yeah. capabilities. I'm kind of excited let, about the Sony thing. I'm going to see. Uh, wait and see what Sony's new online presence looks like in the next couple of months. Yeah, same. I'm... What they could do, and I don't know what they're going to do, but it, it could be very interesting. I mean, if they just sure. couldn't do what Microsoft is doing and offer, you know, a good portion of the original PlayStation 1, 2, and 3 libraries on there, dude, they're going to give Microsoft a run for there. They'll win this this console generation and probably the next one if they do that. Yeah, I think so, too. So this was a, a breaking news story that happened this morning, much to my surprise, from comicbook.com. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 releases first poster. Uh, the upcoming sequel movie, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, has officially released its very first poster, but that's not all. The poster release also confirmed that the world premiere of the first trailer for the movie is set to take place tomorrow, December 9th, during the Game Awards. The poster itself shows off returning characters and prominently features Tails, who is set to take a starring role in the new film after featuring in the original movie Stinger. So when I first saw this poster after my initial geeking out, because one, it's it's a great looking poster. I think the I, composition. I know, what, I know what you're about to say, but go ahead. <laughs> the The composition is great. Like it. It looks like it could be the cover 
of a Sonic the Hedgehog video game. Yeah. And you just, there's so much to, to dissect if you're a Sonic fan. You know, first, Tails is flying uh, the Tornado, which is his biplane he uses in the later games. Uh, if you look over Sonic's right shoulder, you see what looks like a buzz bomber from the original game, but with the design of Robotnik's um, machines that you saw in the first movie. But the most important thing is Jim Carrey has gone full on Robotnik with bald head, <laughs> big <Dr>. mustache. <laughs> yeah, it is, he's not Robotnik. He's full on Dr. Eggman. I love this poster so much. Like I, I would get a full size uh, version of this and hang it up in my house. Yeah. I still well, like don't that, understand why Tails needs a biplane because he can fly on his own. Well, you know, he gets tired. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but the a cool little side note, because I, I I think this broke after we did last week's show. Uh, Colleen O'Shaughnessy, who has voiced Tails in the video game since 2014, is going to be doing the voice of Tails in the movie. Oh, nice. Which I think is really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I just... You know, they used her in the, the stinger at the end of the first movie, and I was hoping that they wouldn't replace her but they officially announced that she is going to be back so she it's really cool because it's very rare for a character who's you know, has a certain voice in a video game normally yeah. it changes in a movie adaptation so i'm definitely excited to see the trailer for it tomorrow i wish they would have released it today so we could talk about it I know, because now I have to wait a full week to to talk about it. But did, did you see the, uh, the the new book of Boba Fett trailer that was yes. released today? I cannot wait oh, for I'm that so show. Excited. I know it's if you've never watched the um, the Boba Fett special that's on Disney Plus, it's really good. Oh yeah, I did. Uh, I watched it the day it came out. <laughs> I, I love that within the first two minutes, they were like, yeah, Boba Fett didn't really do anything, but people loved him for some reason. <laughs> Everybody Which is him. true. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, I, I don't know entirely what to expect from, from the trailer. I do think we will get a look at Knuckles. Yeah. But I, I, I think it'll be, if it's just like a reveal shot and maybe one or two action shots and a, a line or two of Idris Elba, is is all I need. I think it's just going to be a teaser. I don't think they're going to give us much at all, at all, honestly. Yeah, because the movie comes out in April, so there's still yeah, we still got four, four months. months. Yeah, so I, I think February <clears throat> is when we might see the, or maybe early March is when we'll see the final full trailer. Yeah, I say but probably I'm, February we'll get full on like full on trailers. But I'm. I mean, everybody who listens to this show knows I'm really excited for this movie. Yeah. It's going to be an opening night viewing for me. I love the first one. And I think this has the potential to be even better because it, it looks like what we've been saying since the first movie came out is this is going to be more along the lines of what we saw in the video games. Oh, yeah. I, I That's what I'm hoping for. Like, we already got established that the first movie being set in the real world, but knowing that all this other crazy stuff, crazy stuff exists like, and you make us okay with that. Now you can go just balls out crazy with it. And, you know, let us see all the crazy Sonic craziness, basically. Yep. So we're, yep. we're okay with it. We've established that it exists. Let's go there. It's going to be a fun movie, and I, I can't wait for it to come out. Oh, I'm so ready to see Jim Carrey full-on Eggman. Oh, it's going to be great. <laughs> like he, he was the highlight. No, if anyone who's listening to this has not seen the original Sonic movie, do yourself a favor and watch it. It's way better than it has any right to be. Yeah. And, and the highlight is Jim Carrey as Robotnik was awesome. Yep. Uh, our next story comes from one of our favorite sites, NintendoLife.com. NES Classic Battletoads is getting a physical re-release, but only in Japan. Uh, Battletoads is one of Rare's most beloved games from the NES era. Um, I don't know if it's a beloved game from the NES. That's a bold statement. <laughs> Say it's Maybe beloved. polarizing would have been the more accurate. <laughs> uh, an attempt to create a media brand that could rival the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
Battletoads makes platforming and with side-scrolling combat and is famous for its unforgiving difficulty level. Uh, Columbus Circle, the Japanese firm famous for its retro hardware and physical re-releases, is republishing the Famicom version of the game. It's under license from Extreme, the company which owns the rights of Messiah NCS, the original publisher of the game in Japan back in the early 90s. Um, let's see. Uh, Battletoads was published by Tradewest in the U.S., uh, but it is uh, the current status of the company is unclear, but it doesn't appear to be in business anymore. Um, so it is not going to be available in America, only in Japan, which is kind of sucks. But at the same time, like, I, I don't know if I would buy a new physical release of Battletoads today. Like, I, it's one of those games, like, it's kind of fun to go back and play every once in a while, but it's too hard. Like, it's just too ridiculously hard. I like to think it wasn't gonna. It's not gonna be released in the U.S. because it's just too traumatizing. Yeah, because I've much. I've I've tried playing Battletoads myself, and it's we talk about. There's different levels of difficulty. There's difficulty that motivates you to beat the game. Then there's difficulty that just makes you quit. Yeah. This is difficulty that makes you quit. Well, it's one of those I, games. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, like, I I like the idea of Battletoads, and I think. Had, you know, maybe there been a little bit of a different time or a different marketing, I could have seen Battletoads taking off more in the mainstream world. May, not to the effect that Ninja Turtles did. Yeah. But, like, I, I could have pictured a Battletoads cartoon. Well, it's definitely one of those games. Like, I, I, I think they did do a cartoon, if I'm not mistaken, oh, but they? it didn't take off or anything. Um, but it's definitely one of those games that it's, it throws too many different, um, play styles at you. Like the game starts off as a side scroller. Then it, the second level is you're on a rope going down a well into the earth. And then you go to the turbo tunnel. And once you get, you think the turbo tunnel would be the hard, like that would be in a normal game. That would be like the final level. But no, it's the third level in the game. And you the things you have to go through to get to the the end of the game, like the the snake stuff you gotta go through, the like the sewer stuff you gotta go through, and it's all different. It's like swimming levels and you know, this the snakes you gotta go like the the weird snake stuff you gotta do, and it's like it doesn't give you any sort of like training up to that point of like, oh, here's what you're going to be doing next. Here's here's what's going to prepare you for what you're about to do. No, it just throws all these different styles of game at you and gives you no... Like, like you're just thrown to the wolves. Like, each, at each level, you're thrown to a different pack of wolves, basically. I couldn't have said it better myself. And you were right. There was a Battletoads animated series. Yeah. Came out in 1992, and I, I just saw the the opening title card, and I remember that now. So that's that was on me for not remembering it. But oh, that's all right. You know, yeah, it um it was actually created by uh by Dick, which made you know several great cartoons uh, back in the 90s. It was made in an attempt to capitalize on Ninja Turtles, but yeah, I mean it's that's a cartoon <laughs> that you're just not going to compete with. I think if they would have kept this game. You know, the first level of the game is pretty good. You know, it's just basically you're kind of platforming um, and there's some good play style in there, kind of beat em up side-scrolling stuff going on. But if they would have just kind of kept that aesthetic through the game and then threw in little things that to get harder and harder, you know, as far as being preparing yourself for the turbo tunnel... And things of that nature, like, I think it would be more well looked upon, but it's just way too difficult, way too fast, and I, I don't know anybody that ever made it past the Turbo Tunnel, honestly. It's memorable, but not memorable in the way that it <laughs> should be. It's only memorable because nobody could get, do anything in it. It was like, oh, you remember Battletoads? Yeah, it was that really hard game from the 90s. <laughs> yeah. I hate that game. <laughs> And our last news story comes to us once again from NintendoLife.com. 
Arcade Paradise will play on our 90s nostalgia next spring. We've written about Arcade Pass a few times this year, and now publisher Wired Productions, along with developer Nosebleed Interactive, has released a new trailer and confirmed more details. For one thing, it's due in spring 2022, having at one point been planned for late this year. It's a game that leans heavily on 90s arcade culture, which could definitely be rather fun as you try to run a laundromat while simultaneously converting it into a rad arcade. A big part of the game, seemingly, is that you'll be able to play the 30-plus arcades, which will be games riffing on that era. Uh, It says here you'll be playing as uh, uh, Ashley, your father, uh, has gone to the Riviera and given you the keys to his laundry business, tasking you to run the day-to-day operations. Rather than washing rags, you decide to turn the family laundromat into the ultimate arcade. Uh, You have over 35 to choose from, uh, which will be inspired by a generation of arcade games from the 80s and 90s and feature newly created classics such as Knuckles and Knees, Zombat 2, Wood Gals Adventure, uh, Vostok 2093, Gravit Chase, and the Bodacious Racer Chaser in full 3D. And there will be a physical version too. Which uh, th- this does sound very intriguing. It sounds fun. It sounds almost like yeah. a, you know, like roller coaster tycoon, but it's yes. an arcade. Yeah, I was thinking of like Sim City, yeah. roller coaster tycoon type of game. And I so love th- those this type week- of games. I love those simulation type of games. Like this sounds like something I could sink a lot of time into, especially since you can actually play the these little games that you put in your arcade. That's cool. Yeah, I'm actually I'm skimming through the trailer right now and I see games like, you know, like Double Dragon, um, RC Pro-Am, like those style of games. So it looks really cool. I dig it. So um, I'm not sure what it doesn't exactly say what it's going to come out for, but I think it's going to be pretty much everywhere because it says uh, PlayStation um it probably coming to definitely coming to steam i know that i'm i'm interested to see if it's going to come to the switch it is on the switch there's a link to it oh okay well there you go yeah so it should be roughly about 30 it says uh 29.99 uh and american cash yeah which i think is fair yeah that's not bad at all, all yeah right. and the the the, tra- the trailer looks really cool so I'd be very interested to check this out. Okay, so the graphic at the end of the trailer had um, the Switch. Uh, let me go back to it. Okay, uh, Switch, PlayStation 4 and 5, and looks like Steam. It's pretty much everywhere. It didn't say Xbox, does it? Mm, no. Hmm. I have a feeling it's going to drop on Game Pass. Yeah, I can't see why it wouldn't. Yeah. Well, that does it for the news this week. Let's go ahead and move into this month on video game history. On December 1st of 1991, LucasArts releases Monkey Island 2, LeChuck's Revenge for Amiga, MS-DOS, Macintosh, and FM Towns. One of the classic... Uh, point-and-click adventure oh, yeah. games. I want to go back and review these Monkey Island games, actually. I just love the name LeChuck. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's one of the reasons why I threw it on here. But uh, I've, I, I've said this before, but I, I don't have a ton of experience in the, the point-and-click games. Like, I'm well aware of them. I know that they're popular. But I can't really think of one that I've ever played. I love me some point-and-click adventures. And they seem fun. Yeah, you, so, maybe you should uh, review it. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. I mean, we could always do a dual review. Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah, and way you could get the the experienced outlook and the the newcomers yeah. outlook. On December fourth of nineteen ninety one, Konami releases Super Castlevania Four for SNES in North America. So. I, I had a love-hate relationship <laughs> with this game. Like, I, I like the Castlevania games, but they don't seem to like me. Yeah, well, they're not so, for the faint of heart. <laughs> no, they're not. I, I, I like Castlevania 4 for what it is. It is challenging, 
but I do like the game. Yeah, I mean, it definitely takes what they did for the Castlevania games, like especially the first Castlevania for the NES, and then just beefed it up for the Super Nintendo. Yep. And just made it yep. all around better. Like, being able to shoot your uh, whip diagonally was just that alone <laughs> made the game so much better. Yeah, agreed. All the Mode 7 stuff they did in it, that game's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, December 3rd of 1996, LucasArts releases Star Wars Shadows of the Empire for the N64, which still angers me to this day that Disney has wiped Shadows of the Empire out of the canon of the Star Wars story, which, why? Why would you do that, Disney? My first introduction into the extended universe of Star Wars, and I'm sure it was for a lot of people, I remember playing this game for the first time like it was yesterday. Because, yeah. you know, it, it had the Star Wars title to it, so... Obviously, I had to get my hands on it. But. Well, they pushed this game. I mean, not, not it was wasn't just a game. It was a it was a whole media blitz. It was a book. It was yeah. a graphic novel, an audiobook, comic books, it, everything, yeah, was, toy line. I mean, they yep. treated this thing like it was a full on Star Wars movie release, and it was it kept Star Wars alive in the nineties. And then mm -hmm. Disney's like, meh. Nah, it doesn't count. Like, ugh. screw you, Mickey. <laughs> I yeah, I don't, I don't understand it. I just remember playing the game for the first time, and you, you, know, you start in the um, when you're in the Hoth base after the Empire's taking it over, and you just get thrown to the wolves against yeah. the freaking ATST <laughs> Walker. But uh, yet, crazy thing is, this game's 25 years old oh, now. Man, right. <laughs> <laughs> Poor uh, Dash Rendar. Dash Rendar deserves better. Which is weird because his ship is in A New Hope in the I special know. edition. You see it leaving most Eisley. <laughs> it's pointed out that that is his freaking ship. Yeah. But it's not canon. That The story is not canon. I do not understand it. I think it's wrong. But speaking of Star Wars, on December 7th of 1998, Factor 5 and LucasArts release Star Wars Rogue Squadron for the Nintendo 64, which also spawns some pretty good sequels for the GameCube. Still one of my favorite games for the N64. One of the very first games ever bought for the N64 was Rogue Squadron. Oh yeah, this game is great. I, I like all the Rogue Squadron games. I just remember playing that game so much back, back then. And I even had the, the, the expansion pack for the mm -hmm. Nintendo 64 at the time that you could boost the, the, the RAM on your N64 so you could get, what, like 8 megabytes of RAM instead of 4, and it made the yep. graphics better. I was like, oh, we're, we're this is never going to get better than this. <laughs> uh, it's just like the, what, 2 or 3 megabytes of storage from a floppy disk? Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, if we this is so crazy because I we really did think that back then. Like, man, graphics are never gonna get better than this. And go back and look at it now, it's like, oh, it's like somebody just vomited like, on the screen. You're like, oh my eyes, <laughs> it's so hideous, it's so bad. Uh, uh let's see. Uh, December third of two thousand one. Super Smash Bros. Melee is released for the GameCube in North America. Uh, probably the best uh, Smash Bros. game that's ever been released, at least in my opinion. And I, I don't disagree with that. I, I like all the other games. To me, there is not a bad Smash Bros. game out there. and They all have their pros and cons, but I, Melee has the best gameplay. Yeah, compared to the later games that doesn't have as big of a character selection but you look at but it's still game... used in tournaments so yes it's like... yeah it, it's still the standard bearer of super smash brothers because the gameplay is so crisp yeah you can't really find any flaws in it you and know that with, controller with... that game yep. controller uh, chef's there, kiss there's a reason that every system after the gamecube had a gamecube adapter yeah. because <laughs> the controller was still used for games like Brawl, for Smash Brothers for the Wii U, and even Ultimate for the Switch. You know, they released a GameCube controller and an adapter for that because that's 
how much that controller is still used to this day. We should have a roundtable discussion, uh, get a couple of people here on the show, and just talk about what we think is the greatest game controller of all time. That's a great idea. I mean, I, I know they mine. They all have their easily. merits. Don't get me wrong. They, uh, I think we could pretty much go ahead and say the N64 is one of the worst. <laughs> it went from the worst to the best in, in one game console generation. Yeah, I, I'd save my full reason for for that episode. But, I mean, my choice would be the GameCube controller yeah. just because it's, it's perfect. I don't know. I think the worst game controller of all time is still the original Atari joystick. Like, that thing just sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's either that or... I don't like the original Xbox controller, but that's also because I have small hands. You're talking about the big can, the what do they call it? The Duke? Yeah, the Duke. <laughs> me and me and Wally call it the canned ham because we were like, man, it feels like you're holding a canned ham. But I got really big did. hands, so I love the original Xbox controller. I wish they would m still make them, <laughs> even just for like, you know, as a Bluetooth device. I would buy one just to use like with my Switch. It's like three times the size of my hand. <laughs> I don't know. I, that was the first controller I ever played on the Xbox, so I kind of fell in love with it. I do like the Xbox 360 controller yeah, a lot. Those were That was a really good controller. Yeah. But to close us out for this month in video game history, on December 3rd of 2001, Naughty Dog releases Jack and Daxter, the Precursor Legacy, for the PlayStation 2, which mm. I'm going to talk about momentarily. Yes, and before we do that, we like to shout out our patrons who are lovely people that give us money every single month. They keep us above that $50 level so that we do those commentary tracks every single month. And uh, we just I just dropped the, uh, the Toy Story commentary track on the, uh, the regular podcast feed this last week and that was a really fun episode to do because good lord wally's uh disney and pixar uh it, it, it he's like a rolodex of just facts and stuff yeah he i love having wally on i mean i love having him on for all the commentary tracks but especially the disney ones because he just pulls little tidbits from out of nowhere and you're like, holy crap, I had no idea that was even a thing. How did you know that? <laughs> like, yeah. Why would anybody know that? I mean, I thought I was fairly knowledgeable about Toy Story, but I, I felt like I had just come from a like a college class. <laughs> but we like, commentary track. we like to do our shout outs. And uh, Derek, would you like to do the honors of shouting out our lovely patrons? Absolutely. We want to shout out the fact checker to the fact checker, Mr. Tyler Watson, Axblade07, Daniel Salmon, Armez Jackson, Hand Solo, Carlos Longoria, aka Rampage, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Brandon Rutledge, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Joey Image, Ron Johnson, Mixmaster, and Mr. Mike Eveland. Thank you all so much for your continued contributions. And if you want to be a part, of our awesome Patreon community, just head on over to patreon.com slash retro where you get early access to the fun commentary tracks like Toy Story, like Clue, Big Trouble in Little China. I know we've got to decide what we're going to do for, oh, shoot. for December. I, I forgot to do that. <laughs> I'll text you and Wally tomorrow. We'll put in our stuff, and I'll, I'll put up the, uh, the Patreon poll tomorrow night for our December commentary track. Yep, so if you're a patron, be on the lookout for that within the next day or so. Uh, and you just get you, know, you get to vote on what we review every now and then. We post a poll asking you guys, what would you like us to review? So if you want to be a part of that awesome community, as I said, head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And for new patrons, be sure to send us your social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, so we can give you a proper shout out. Hey guys, we got to tell you about B-Res Coffee Company. Made by gamers for gamers right here on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida. No matter what your taste in coffee are, they got you covered. You like light or medium roast? Try the Necro Medium Holy Grail Light or Stamina Boost. They can even add flavors to your coffee like iCast Fireball, which is a fireball whiskey flavor. If you like darker roasts like I do, 
then try the Critical Dark or Coup Slayer Mocha Roast, or the Gamers on the Edge Esports Roast. They even have holiday-inspired roasts like Fall Spice, Sweet Tooth, or the Muffin Man. Do you know the Muffin Man? Can't decide what you want for those all-night gaming sessions? Then try one of their specialty sample packs. All roasts are made with fair trade Colombian beans. So stop buying all that crappy coffee from the grocery store and head over to brezcoffeeco.com and use our code NCR for 10% off of your order. And tonight we, well, Derek is going to be talking about... Music uh, um, to what I wanted to use for the intro to this because all of it's good. Yeah, it's um, it's got a very distinct sound to it that I compare to another Naughty Dog franchise that yeah, it's kinda, I'll get to. Kind of dark and like almost like islandy and moody. It's it, it's it's weird. It, I like it a lot. It, it's got a a nice mix of. A little more jovial, but also kind of uh, a darker feel as well. Yeah. But as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I'm going to be talking about Jack and Daxter, the precursor legacy, which was released by Naughty Dog for the PlayStation 2, December 3rd, 2001. So just hit the 20 year anniversary of this game. And I'll be honest, I haven't really thought about Jack and Daxter all that much in the 20 year gap between its release and the past couple of weeks when I've been playing it. And it's been one of those games that I think of it, you know, very selectively. Like I I do think about it on occasion, but it's in passing like, Oh, I remember that game, but then I just think about something else. But with us now talking about PlayStation two games, I know we've mentioned kingdom hearts and a couple of other games as well. I remember Jack and Daxter. So I've been playing it the last couple of weeks and a flood of memories came back as I was starting to play this because this came out, you know, post Crash Bandicoot. I believe Crash Bandicoot 4 had already come out and Naughty Dog was no longer making those games. So this to me was their answer of what they were going to do post crash bandicoot yeah and you know we we know naughty dog for much different types of games now but they were still in that platforming era and when you when you dive into the world of jack and daxter you get reminded of crash bandicoot because the the graphics are a, a little bit improved over the original run of crash bandicoot games but the music to me some of the beats especially when you're in the the jungle portion um, early on in the game, uh, hearing those beats takes me back to that world. But it's not a Crash Bandicoot clone. It's got the which same is, kind of art style, though. It it does. It, it very much does. Some of the environments look similar, but the story is is very different in the sense that uh, it focuses on um, the, the main protagonist. His name is Jack. At the beginning of the game, he and his friend Daxter uh, sneak over to this island called Misty Island. Just they're teenagers and someone tells them to do something. <laughs> Basically, they're, they're under the tutelage of uh, Samos the Sage, who is the master of this um, mysterious energy called Eco that you learn about as the game progresses. Because there are different types of Eco uh, that you use for different abilities. So they go over to Misty Island because they were told not to. And Daxter falls into this pit of dark eco and turns into a fictional character called an Otzel, which is half otter, half weasel. <laughs> so the, the little mouse-type character you see on Jack's shoulder on the cover of the game, he's initially a human. But he's kind of... Jack is silent like he doesn't speak any dialogue so he's like link from the legend of zelda in that sense whereas daxter is his mouthpiece okay and and as you go through the game 
you know, when you do specific things in play, you'll get some type of reaction from him. So like there's a, there's an objective in the game where you have to chase these group of seagulls to go to a certain location on the island where they disturb, you know, part of the environment, which causes uh, a cliff to collapse and you get a power cell, which is what you primarily try to collect in the game. As you're going to the seagulls, you hear him like yelling really obnoxious things because that's what he is. He's a loud mouth teenage punk. But it provides a little bit of comic relief and you know, breaks the tension a little bit because the story is actually pretty serious. I was just looking at this, and <laughs> the voice of Daxter, uh, of Daxter is Max Casella. And if you don't know who that is, he played Vinny on Dookie Hauser in MD. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, his, his voice is very distinct. And... and his personality you know progresses throughout the the sequels as well like he's that form of comic relief because the the sequels get even darker compared to the first one so he's he's your typical comic relief but yeah. your your primary mission is you want to try and turn him back to being human but you find out this much larger story that you learn as you progress through the game because the title, The Precursor Legacy, is about the, pre uh, the Precursors, which is an ancient civilization that mysteriously disappeared, and they left behind all this technology. Uh, there's an abandoned city that you find, and you unlock the mystery of them and their technology as you progress. And the primary antagonists are uh, Gol and Maya Acheron. Uh, they're basically rogue sages that want to flood the world with dark eco because they want to reshape the world in their images. There are certain sages that represent the different types of energy around the world. So eco, which is that energy you use for different abilities. So like blue eco makes you faster and can open certain doors and activate certain machinery. Um, green eco replenishes your health and red eco makes you stronger and you get light eco as well but in the final battle um, think of it as like the light arrow from the Zelda series it's that, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's that item that you get yeah. right at the end of the game <laughs> that it's crucial to, to winning it but uh, as far as the gameplay goes it's also like Crash Bandicoot in a way it has a little bit of an open world type of feel um jack has limited attacks you have um a spin attack which is another crash bandicoot callback yeah. um you have like a i don't want to call it a drop kick but you have this attack where you jump in the air and you do almost like a like a pile driver type of move where you drive yourself into the ground to you know open certain areas break certain boxes but um yeah, you go through the game, um, you collect these things called power cells that power different types of machinery that help you get to different points of the game. And that's, um, that's Jack and Daxter in pretty much a nutshell as far as the, the gameplay goes. How are the controls for the game? Had they started to perfect the uh, being able to use the right stick? as like a to move the camera and control yep. the character with the left because yeah it's hard to go back and play some of these games like this because they hadn't perfected that yet like this was the era they were really starting to get that it's not perfect i'm gonna be honest it's still to the point where you can't control it well enough that like i i died multiple times because of it and that that's a kind of a criticism yeah. that I have of the game is that it's better than earlier iterations of games that tried to do that, but it still hadn't quite got there yet. Yeah. Um, as far as the controls, the, the attacks are pretty simple. Um, you only have a certain number of abilities and that's, that's addressed later on in the games because the, the gameplay and the sequels, is very different because you get the ability to use weapons like guns and things like that. But 
with this, you really have your punches, your kicks, your spins, and you're being powered by eco for a certain period of time. It's not a very challenging game because there's only, I think, three bosses overall in the game, or maybe four. No, there's three, but not all the bosses are even mandatory. Huh. Like, like the, the first boss you fight is this giant dark eco plant. And yeah, if you want to complete everything in the game, you want to collect all the power cells and everything. Yeah, you can go fight it, but you don't have to because it's in a temple that you don't even have to go into. That's weird. It, it is very weird. Um, there's uh, the second boss, which is uh, a cyborg that you have to fight in order to um, go up the mountain pass. That boss you have to fight, and then you have the the finale. So it's it could have been a little more challenging in that sense because I I like boss battles yeah. in, in platforming type games. Like they can be some of the most fun because you can have you have to think of different creative ways yeah. to beat them and figure out their attack patterns and what you have to do and things like that. So well, that 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 aspect is is lacking in this game yeah. for sure. Well, you could definitely. You know, you go back and look at all these old Naughty Dog games. I mean, even going back to uh, Crash Bandicoot, it's kind of like you see those seeds being planted for what would eventually be the gameplay for, you know, the Uncharted series, which is they really, by that point, had perfected what they were doing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I would love to see them. Like, I think, didn't they just release a new Jack and Daxter game, not too, like, for the PlayStation 4? It was a racing game. Oh, was it? I, I believe. So there's the Jack trilogy and then a racing game. So I think the racing game might have been yeah, the last I, one. Because I, I think Jack 3 was for the PS3. Okay. Because I, I was thinking like they did like a remaster or something like that of these games. They may have. I Let me look real quick and see. Uh. It was one of the remastered ports in the Jack and Daxter collection for the PS3 and for the Vita. Oh, okay. And, and then was released as a PS2 classic port on the PS4 in 2017. Okay, that, yeah. So, yeah, because the version I've been playing, the graphics aren't remastered. Like, you can tell it even has the old PlayStation 2 opening yeah. when you start the game. So, well, this but, game sold a lot of copies. Um after its release yes, it in 2001, it sold over 1 million copies, which put it in the greatest hits category, uh, which reduced the price. I didn't know that's what that did once they hit the greatest hits thing. Uh, by July 2006, it sold 1.7. And um, let's see. Uh, combined sales of Jack and Daxter games reached 4 million units in the United States by July 2006. That's a lot of games. And I forgot, honestly, that this game was that popular. Like, I remember playing it. I remember seeing it advertised. And all the magazines I read gave it good reviews. And I guess it's one of those games that, like, yeah, you look at the fact that it got two sequels, which a lot of games didn't get. Like, you'd be lucky to get one. This game got two. But I still feel like it's not held in the same regard as like those classic platformers, and I don't know why. Well, to be honest, I mean, this is one of those games that when you talk about the PlayStation 2, even though I never played this for the PlayStation 2, this is still one of those games that I think of when you talk about, you know, the when we when we talk about the PlayStation 2 and I don't know why it was just so synonymous with the PlayStation 2 at the time was Jack and Daxter maybe it was because they advertised the hell out of it I, I'm not sure but uh, I remember seeing just Jack and Daxter it was all over the place around this time well it says here a uh, game informer said that next to Rayman 2 Jack and Daxter is the best 3D platformer available for the PlayStation 2, and it was a runner-up for GameSpot's annual Best Platform Game Award, only losing out to Conker's Bad Fur Day. Wow. 
so it, and it was held in pretty high regard. You look at the reviews. IGN gave it a nine point four. OPM gave it a ten. Wow. Uh, GameSpot an eight point eight. Game Informer nine point two five. And I mean, there there's really not a lot of flaws in this game. You know, I, I mentioned the camera, and going back and playing it, it's not as challenging in the sense that there aren't really any boss battles except for the two that I mentioned. Well, three if you count the one that's not a requirement. But there, there is a lot to do. There are a lot of different objectives. You know, you get to uh, drive vehicles to you know, try and collect power cells and you do different things with them. Uh, there's a lot of areas to explore, including a jungle, um, a beach area. You get to go back to Misty Island. There's the Lost Precursor City, which is way different than any of the other areas like it's one of those that you kind of stumble upon it by accident and you get on this elevator that takes you below the ocean and then you're in just this this giant city that's overrun by uh these beasts called lurkers and they're they're the primary things that you fight there are different types of lurkers but they're the monsters that you know have been released by the the rogue sages to to try and take over the world and everything. So it, it's it's a very solid platformer game and one that, you know, I, I kind of regret not maybe not giving it the credit that it deserved back then because platformers, you know, like I grew up on those games. Yeah. It's still arguably my favorite type of game to play. So I, I've been very happy with going back over these last couple of weeks and playing it pretty extensively. And I, I have the sequels and I want to play through them as well. Cause I actually never uh, played Jack three. I played through Jack two quite a bit, but I never got around to the third one. Cause I didn't have a PS three. Yeah. I might have to go back and play some of these. Cause like I said, I never played any of these and was always curious, but just never got around to it. If that deal is still on the PlayStation store, I highly recommend it. Yeah, the Jack and Daxter collection for twenty bucks. It's not bad at all. I mean, you get four games for twenty bucks. So, but going back on its twenty twentieth anniversary, how does it hold up? What what kind of a number grade would you give it here in twenty twenty one? I I don't know that I would give it a perfect ten, like OPM did. I like it quite a bit, and I maybe my review is a little jaded because. I know what Jack 2 did, and I actually like Jack 2 better. Mm-hmm. But I'll save those reasons for when I review that game. I would say I'd give it a solid 8. Like, it's I think it's, it, it's, it's a good, very solid platformer game. It's got some cool characters. Daxter can get a little annoying if you <laughs> aren't a fan of his type of humor. I I personally got a kick out of it. The controls are easy. It's a fun game to step in. It's got a cool story. It does a lot of world building as the game progresses. You get to learn more about the precursors, the history of the world. It's a a good game. So I'd say a solid eight. Awesome. So I think it's worth the purchase price, whether you're buying it, the the $20 bundle or... Even if you have a PlayStation 2 that you is still a working PlayStation 2 worth going back and picking up a copy. Yep, because as you said, it's one of those games that is synonymous with the PlayStation 2. Like I think this Kingdom Hearts and maybe Sly Cooper is I, I would probably associate those with with the PS2, but definitely Jack and Daxter and Kingdom Hearts. I just remember at the time seeing Jack and Daxter commercials all the time, and I think that's why it just it, it, it's just so synonymous with the PlayStation 2, because it was heavily advertised. I remember that at the time. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, but it's, it's fun to go back and, and revisit. Well, awesome. That's going to bring us to the end of the episode. Hope everybody uh, had a good time. Hope everybody's having a good holiday. And uh, next week is going to be our sort of roundtable-ish review of uh, Knights of the Old Republic. 
which we're going to have uh, Mr. Mike Evelyn from B-Rez Coffee is going to be here, and uh, Reagan Bell from the Fantastic People podcast is going to be here with us next week. So this is going to be a good discussion. I'm very much looking forward to it next week. And uh, I don't know if you've ever... Did you ever play it, Derek? Knights of the Old Republic? Oh, yeah. No, I love those games. So good. I'm glad they didn't wipe that from the, the, the... canon because they're actually making old republic stuff so thank you for keeping it in in the the timeline disney stupid mouse (laughs) (laughs) praise the mouse yeah no they're not paying us so screw that mouse (laughs) Uh, unless you want to sponsor us disney then uh mickey's awesome yeah, yeah, no, he's great. <laughs> I'm giving Wally a heart <laughs> attack right now. <laughs> uh, but that's going to bring us to the end of the episode. Tell everybody what's going on uh, in your world. Go go check out the the Feature Prez Pod Twitter and Instagram. you got so many people on there now. I've still still got work to do with Facebook and uh, and Twitter. I, 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 I think I need to just pick your brain about Twitter because it's an animal that I cannot figure out. Dude, I have fought and clawed for all 570 followers we have for this show. It's so hard to get followers on Twitter. Yeah. I, and I'm, I'm learning that too, but um, no, I've been doing some really good interviews for, for the new show coming out. And I, I don't know what it is, but when I, these interviews that I've done, they've felt different but different in a good way. Like, I feel yeah. like they've been better. Like I've been doing a better job conducting them. And I've got two potentially really cool interviews lined up for this week. I don't want to say who they're with because I don't want to jinx it, yeah. but once they happen, I will let everyone know who they're with. Well, it's a whole new energy when you got a new, new show coming up, new format, this is yep. exciting. It's like, wow, I can't wait to to hear this when it comes out. Yeah, God, I've been hyping it up enough. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, uh, yeah. So um, yeah, the first episode drops uh, January 5th of 2022. I'm probably going to have two interviews with it. Um, it's going to be a pretty jam-packed show. I'm going to be reviewing uh, Spider-Man No Way Home because it'll be out by that point. The new Matrix movie will be out. Um, I, I guess I can go ahead and, and break this. You mentioned uh, Reagan Bell. Uh, he and Christian Jones from over at the Fantastic People podcast, they will actually be joining me for a segment on the first episode of oh, my new show. Cool. We'll be discussing uh, top five movies that we're looking forward to in 2022. So oh, yeah. be, be on the lookout for um, a post on all social media for you know, if you want to submit your top five. We'll uh, we'll read it on the show. Fantastic, uh, and of course uh, we are over there is still chugging along at the Open Micers podcast at Open Micers on Twitter and Instagram. Um, just uh, we talked to Mo Alexander again last week. He came back for a second time because he likes us for some reason, so he wanted to come back on the show. And uh, funny as ever, so go check out the Open Micers podcast. This week we've got comedian Duncan Stone Street back for a trifecta. He's the first guest to have three appearances on the show so go check us out open uh open micers on twitter and instagram and uh, i think that's about it i gotta say something about the mo alexander episode oh yeah <laughs> so i i like to think that i have a pretty ironclad stomach mm-hmm. because you know i can eat really anything from taco bell and it doesn't bother me at all but just hearing the phrase gas station boudin <laughs> Made my stomach hurt. Dude, why would you eat that? There's no reason to eat that ever. Two words, death wish. Yeah. If you if you eat gas station boudin, you you deserve what's coming to you. (laughs) Yeah. As soon as that phrase was mentioned, I'm like, no, just thinking about it makes my stomach hurt. I'm just like, no, why would you punish yourself yeah. like that? <laughs> There's no reason for that. That's, that's awful. I, I forgot to mention, if you want to follow my new show on social media, it's at Feature Prez Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Awesome. Well, I'm going to go ahead and play our music here. Whoa, why are you, did you not start from the beginning? What is going on with 
Oh, okay, soundboard. You're not going to start this. You're not going to start off the new year messing with me like this, soundboard. We're not going to do this again, okay? You hear me? You hear me? Do I need to take you in the bathroom and have a talk? <laughs> Maybe that'll scare it into acting right. Hopefully so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. If you'd like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We have merch available, ncrmerch.com. You can go get pillows and t-shirts and uh, we've been selling a lot of stuff for Christmas. So uh, I think they got some sales going on right now. So go head over there, ncrmerch.com. Get yourself a t-shirt, pillow, phone case, whatever you need. Can't do that? Head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Throw us a buck a month to keep keep the lights on here at the show. If you can't do that, at least leave us a review. Wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Master Blaster runs by the town.